Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I happen to have a friend and a family member, one that has been here many times before, John Frank, my brother. Hey. Hey, welcome back. John is a physical therapist. Yeah. It's good to have you always. You're always well received in the crowd. Uh, John is a physical therapist and movement genius. And so right off the bat, I'm going to ask you, what are five exercises that you would recommend for people to do? What are the top five? And you, when I asked you this a little while ago, you said, you don't, because I, I said five exercises at the gym and you said, you don't even need a gym. So what would be the five things? So, uh, so first of all, there's not like one, five greatest exercises. There's five exercises that have certain attributes that I would recommend as good exercises. I don't really recommend a gym because gym machines are uh, actually very artificial. You're sitting. Uh, you don't need any proprioception or ability to kind of sense where your joints are in space and to move joints to, you know, to link the body together. They're more isolating uh, the joints. And actually, that can put more stress on the joints. If you do a leg press, uh, let's say you're doing a leg press um, and you're lying on your back and you're using a machine, uh, first of all, that puts a lot of compressive forces on your disc and your lower back as you press up and you don't, get, you don't use your hips at all with the knees and you just kind of straighten the knees, uh, which is uh, usually a, as a common uh, 
a poor uh, motor pattern for ret- from returning from a squat is to just extend through the knees with usually your hamstring instead of using the glute to engage the uh, quad to extend the hip and knee together. So that's just one example of a common exercise. That- Wait a second. Wow, that's interesting. I'm going to just interrupt you for a second because I know there's probably quite a few people who do leg presses. Why do you think people thought that was a good idea to build bulk of the quadri- uh, quadriceps? Uh, you know, I think that people thought it was a good idea because first of all, you could lift, try to lift really heavy weights without, you know, you know, squatting, there's a chance that you might not come up from the squat. (laughs) So you could kind of lift very heavy weights. You can, uh, but it really, uh, uh, there's never a time when you, uh, kind of go like going upstairs, returning from a squat that you extend the knees without extend, extending the hips at the same time and the quadriceps become about 30 percent this is don't take this figure too accurate it's not it's approximately about 30 percent stronger when you use the glutes with it because uh, it, it takes advantage of a uh, something called hydraulic amplification where you the glute engages uh pulls on that fasciolata which presses down on the quadriceps and the quadriceps engages and presses back out against the the uh kind of the fascial envelope that the fasciolata is and uh, anytime you use fascial envelopes either in your lower leg that's around the muscle fibers the muscle fibers are much stronger they're able to generate more force they're able to share the forces better so for all those reasons you know that's a common like I would say not a very good exercise for most people, except maybe for people who really can't. You know, some elderly have a hard time. Uh, it might be appropriate for them to do some of that, but um, it really is not. So this is one uh, instance. So uh, plus you have to join the gym and you got to take money. You got to go yeah. there. So here, so the attributes or the characteristics, I would say, of good exercises um, are it should involve most of the body, like multiple parts. They should teach motor patterns or engrams or kind of what we call software, software uh, programming in your, your brain and spinal cord of movement patterns that you should use in everyday life. Um, so they're not, um, so they're uh, kind of, you can, exercises should be varied, but also, uh, they should have some general characteristics, uh, like a fairly stable lower back, uh, uh, strength and power from the hips, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, so if you had to be, if you, you know, you had a gun to my head, no, not really. Instead, <laughs> pick five right now. I, I can think. How about of, a nice bottle of wine? <laughs> okay, that's better. Um, or beer. Yeah, or beer. Yeah, yeah. So. One-legged squat is a great exercise um, uh, because it's actually a very, it's a very functional exercise. Uh, whenever you run, whenever you go upstairs, you're whenever you you know play soccer, like so. Not only linear running, but also lateral running. You have to be able to produce force and control the forces in, uh, on one leg. Um, and so, um, two-legged squats. Uh, like a like a you know a squat standing with a barbell, uh, it has some benefits for sure, uh, and there's some you know real life times where you pick up something with two legs, and that's great. So it's, it's not a bad exercise, but it's a little bit uh, 
limiting because it does not uh, use your hip stabilizers and the torso, other torso stabilizers that you need when you're on one leg. Because when you're on one leg, uh, it's a, what we call a type one lever. You have your uh, center of mass on the inside of the uh, pivot point, which is your hip, and the other side is your gluteus, medius, and maximus, and that helps you control the center of mass. So that's called a type one lever, and that's like a seesaw. So, and that's real life is full of times where we're on one leg, of course. So one-legged squat, I would say a side plank or side bridge, uh, especially one that you do a squat pattern with. Um, it has, uh, you have to have a stable spine and it's- What low. do you mean by a side plank with a squat pattern? You mean moving? So if you were yeah. like, uh, so if you were like lying on your side on the ground, almost like a- um, uh, it, it was just, you know, the comfortable line with your knees right. are bent. Mm-hmm. And, and then you put a no, the, elbow yeah, under the side the, bridge, right? The side bridge. You put your elbow under your shoulder. And instead of just lifting the hips straight up, you just engage the glutes and bring the hips forward. Um, now, that's a squatting. You're, it's like you're returning from a squat when you're down low in the squat pattern to a standing position, but you're on the ground sideways. Mm-hmm. Uh, your knees remain bent with this, but you go, you have, you start with a bent hip position, like a field position almost, and you straighten the hips. Um, so you, you're working the hip extensors, the hip abductors, because those side glute muscles have to help to keep the gravity from pulling the hip and pelvis down towards the ground. And a big advantage of this that that's a little bit uh, the 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 regular plank when you're kind of uh, facing the ground, which is great for some people, but it does add a lot of compressive forces to the spine because you have to use all your stabilizers when you do that. But the side plank you use half the stabilizers about, and that means there's less compressive loading on the lower back. Most of what we do in life does not require maximal stabilization or contraction of the muscles like abdominals, erector spinae, lats. Those are the stabilizers of the torso that help stabilize the spine from too much aberrant movement um, forces. But we usually, it's it's kind of like a, it's more like coordination of muscles at the the right amount of time, the right timing and the right amount just to have a fairly stable spine. So so when you do too much of like uh, if like the plank where you're on your forearms and your knees are off the ground, it might be fine for some people, but it does load the spine up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you've got forces. gravity pushing right down on it. Yeah, use all your and muscles. All, yeah, yeah, there's not a lot as much to collect. So you're talking about the side bridges, which I love the yeah. glute side bridges. Yeah, and of course they're getting into the shoulder girdle and the obliques as well. It's, uh, it's a, I love those. So, so I mean, and and the the front the the front uh, plank is okay. And that mm-hmm. can be okay for some people. It's not because it, it it gives too much compressive forces. So just. Usually, in general, if you want to spare the spine, you don't ask it to all contract maximally for too much time. Yeah. When you pick up something very heavy, you actually do need to maximally contract all the um, muscles around the spine as well as hold your breath, which is okay. Um, 
in those circumstances, that gives it extra spinal stability. You don't want to have spine buckle under heavy loading. But to do that excessively, there's probably uh, there comes a point where there's a penalty for doing too much of uh, that. So, yeah. so the side bridge is a nice uh, is a nice way to compromise. It's a nice it's a nice you know, you get a lot of stability of the you know the work of the hips and the torso to help stabilize, but also it's not too much compressive forces or loading. And you kind of learn a motor pattern, which is a hip hinge in a different position. So uh, variety is important, even if you're trying to groove in a certain type of pattern to try different ways to do it. And motor learning, they know now that you have to have variety within the sameness of a motor pattern. Yeah, so I always call that the side door because... Yeah. You know, if right. you've done something a million times, your your, your brain isn't going to immediately pick up how to do it differently. But if you do, if you're trying to execute the same movement, but do it differently, like so, for instance, I'll have people from like a plank walk back into a squat. Yeah, you know, not not the butt low, but just like I call it the happy squat. Yeah, and it's a way of teaching triple flexion from coming back into it right exactly so and that way they can start to acquire more flexion in the hip as opposed to doing it somewhere else usually it's in the back yeah Um, yeah, that's right that's right so yeah so there's you know you can do the same like you said you can get the same muscular engagement but you're just you're set the setup is different yeah yeah and that's how that's how that they've the, the, the brain the nervous system learns is you have to stimulate it to to kind of know what's the basic foundation no matter what variation of the movement here and and that's the best way to learn so with running is is really nice you should run on sometimes pavement sometimes on grass sometimes on dirt trails sometimes flat to kind of uh, adapt your, to adapt a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah for not only your muscles you don't overdo the same thing all the time but you can get you know uh, overuse of the muscles and tendons but also for the brain to learn uh to the brain likes a little variety to stimulate no- so. novelty the brain novelty. loves novelty um yeah okay, so, so that's two things what's what's the remaining three so <laughs> with that in mind when i give you five uh, find different ways to do it too. Mm-hmm. You know, don't uh, don't uh, just do the five. Yeah, yeah, and also do the five in different ways. You can do it on like unstable surfaces uh, a little bit. You know, those are uh, other ways. So I would say an, another um, a good exercise is a bridge using the glutes. Uh, you, you know, most people will come up into a bridge, um, and if a lot of times they'll use their back. So that you'll see kind of a, a back pain. You'll, you'll get like a tightness in their back. And and that's not good because you're overarching the back. You're kind of jamming the facet joints together with a lot of muscular contraction. That's a lot of loading. So I've learned that therapists have taught, a lot of therapists have taught to avoid that by doing the opposite, which is tilting the pelvis backward. And that's and then lifting, and that's using your hamstring and lower abdominals. Uh, but that's not the correct pattern either. That's you're, you're certainly not going to get the kind of pain in the the joints of the lower back from hyper arching the back. But 
you're teaching a, a poor hip extension motor pattern, which is using the hamstring and flexing the spine instead of keeping a neutral spine and using the glutes to drive the extension. So uh, that's a, I use this as a way to uh, learn how to use the glutes and the hip extension using the glutes with a neutral spine in a, in a, again, variety, there's a sameness of, there's nothing functional about per se um, going on your back and extending the hips upwards into the bridge, but you need a little, you learn how to differentiate between using the hamstrings and the glutes. And uh, the back. And the back. Yeah. And that's very important when you pick up something, stuff like that in a slightly, again, different position. The brain learns better if it's, if you do the same, similar motor patterns, but in different variety of positions, variety of environments. So uh, mm -hmm. the bridge is a good one. Uh, and I think it actually gets taught very poorly by most therapists because they, they do this rolling action uh, or they, they, they roll one vertebrae at a time or they use your ham, they use your hamstring and they, and the patient's happy because they don't feel that, that tightness and pain in the lower back. And, but they're really not doing it correctly because you, that's not the way you mm -hmm. extend the hips. Um, and you're going to get in trouble if you try to pick up something like that. Right. Um, so that's, I think the only time I've, I've never said to round, but I will tell people is to just keep imagining the tailbone is going toward the heels so that you're not leaving it behind as you would if you're pushing into your low back, you know, because that anterior tilts your pelvis and, and it, you're moving from the back. So for some people, I feel like it, they have, they really need to remap that action. You, if you just say, hey, lift your hips, they'll just go right into their back. But if they think as I'm, I'm, I'm going to lift from my glutes, well, I always say, press into your feet and lift from your glutes. Yeah. But imagine link, keep lengthening the tailbone toward the heels from where it is, as opposed to letting it just drop down. Right. Toward the so feet. for some people that might work and some people it might not. So that's mm -hmm. there's individual, yeah, individually really arched yes. and you might actually, and I, I usually don't do this, is it, uh, but mm -hmm. for those people, I do say, okay, try to you know tilt the pelvis backwards if they're very hyper arched. Yeah, for some people, that's going to put them in lumbar flexion. Um, I, for most part, I say just they, I engage their quadriceps by trying to kick their feet, and that shuts off the hamstring. And as they lift the hips with your glutes, mm -hmm. and they can usually do mm -hmm. pretty well. And the pelvis doesn't. And not move. going too high. You don't have to go very high to really well, initiate I like, that. Yeah. Yes, but I like to go all the way up, and I'll tell you why. Because the lower glute max is the final hip extensor, and you have to learn how to get full hip extension without using your back. Mm -hmm. And so I I do usually give them the do but do in the proper way. Individual, yeah. It's hard to do that in a group class because. So, you know, it's that aim to like get as high. So I like to do that on in uh, prone, yeah, and work the you know the lower fibers yeah. that way. Yeah, you can certainly yeah. even if you didn't go all the way up, it still yeah. could be a yeah. very good way to do it. Uh, basic thing is lift the hips, keeping the pelvis yeah. neutral. Yeah, which is you know it's hard is, to do for a lot of people. They just can't. Very hard. Well, they've gotten all that front anterior hip tissue that has been really restricted. And just to lift up, they start to immediately feel it get pulled. Or they or they tilt the pelvis backwards with yeah. their hamstring. Yeah. They, it's much easier. To, yeah. The glute does not tilt the pelvis. It mm -hmm. prevents the pelvis from tipping forward, but does not tip it back. 
And that's what you get when you have a muscle that's a what we call it, intrinsic, intrinsic hip. Yeah. It's just uh, the, the insertion points is right near the ball, and it just moves. It doesn't. It doesn't move the pelvis. So, and so bridge uh, is good to do though. Let's do bridges. That's why I do them every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridges bridge. every day, I, and it's part of a uh, you know, it's part. And, that's part of developmental patterning too. Is babies learn how to bridge pretty early. They, oh, they sure. know they've got to like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's so funny how our lead is hardwired. Like you don't even need to. It's not like we're like, okay, time to breathe. They just yeah. get it. They know that that's like, oh, that's the precursor to, you know, half kneeling, to standing, to yeah, walking. Yeah, all yeah and there's a, there is a, a good, you know, there can be a good reason to uh, recapitulate that, so to speak. Uh, if you have poor motor patterns to learn those basic things like rolling mm-hmm. um, uh, and, you know, going from supine to standing like it's called turkish get up turkish get up maybe i'll say that's my next one because it's so uh, there's so many uh, facets right. of that movement yeah. and the biggest facet if you have just go to youtube and type in turkish get up you might see it done wrong often you do yeah i remember when you were showing me like the compensations that and every like it's really hard to not yeah. Like try and use your pelvis in that first part, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's so, you're on your back, one knee is bent, one leg is straight out to the side. And your your job is to get up to a standing position. First part is to go from a supine on your back, one leg bent, one leg straight to a sitting position. Most people will Maintaining crunch. your neutral spine, yeah. Yeah, they'll crunch. Yeah. And they have to use momentum because when you crunch, you actually shift your center mass backwards. Try to crunch slowly up. It's almost impossible. Your arm goes forward when you crunch. So the if you're holding something, even it's just the way your arm, but if you're holding a dumbbell, it becomes impossible. Um, so they use momentum. They use their, their abdominals as a crunching mechanism to get up. They have to use the momentum. And it seems good because everyone's like, oh, crunches, like, great. Mm-hmm. But is really that's not the proper way of doing things. You use your hips with a straight spine, and you use your glutes, yeah. You use your glutes and psoas and iliacus, mm-hmm. iliopsoas to come up, and you use your glute because as soon as you you're flexing the hips, so that's an intrinsic hip flexor, just like glutes are intrinsic hip extensors, meaning they should be the primary hip flexors and extensors. But you have to use the glutes to keep the straight leg down. If you try to use your hip flexor, uh, your psoas and iliacus to sit up with that straight leg, your leg will come off the ground. Yeah. So yeah, it will come off the ground. But if you engage both glutes, the other bent leg glute will help drive. The, you're, you're kind of going out to the side a little bit. It will drive. So you're getting a little bit of hip extension on that hip. The other glute will help stabilize the leg. So now you can use your iliacus and so as to pull your trunk up. And the whole time, your arm should be vertical. And so uh, it goes from 90 degrees, which the arm is vertical, perpendicular to the ground, let's say. And, and then when you're up, your arm is about 180 degrees. It's still vertical. So you're just, you're just, it's like almost like a, like a, when the, uh, a, dra- a vampire comes out of a coffin, coffin <laughs> it, he just bends at the hip. So yeah. it's kind of like that. It's, it's almost... It's uh, hard. 
And mm -hmm. you see people on YouTube and they do it the wrong way. Do you see, the, if you watch it on YouTube and you see somebody's uh, straight leg kind of li lifting up, yeah. um, uh, that's kind of the dead, that, that was the giveaway for me. And that's yeah, what I always look exactly. at. I was like, oh my gosh, if, don't lift that leg up. Sometimes it'll come up a little, like a tiny bit, but it's it's not like truly getting off. And that's when I know I'm doing it the right and, way. And they kind of use momentum. Yeah. So they do it really quick at the beginning. A lot of times it chin juts out. So yeah, exactly. It, it's, and then there's, other movements that I don't think are quite as hard, but since we've been like with the bridge and the side plank, we and the um, and one, the, leg, one leg squat, one leg squat, you actually have to do the proper way is using iliacus and psoas, but in that sense, it's not against gravity. And maybe I'll, uh, but but this one you have to use those hip flexors, which are kind of actually quite neglected. Uh, glutes are great, and you gotta get the glutes and other. But the front of the hip is neglected a lot of times. So that so this is a way to challenge that against gravity. Um, so. Yeah, and then you come all the way up and then you have to descend. So it's like using yeah. concentric, eccentric stabilizers, all of it. Yeah. And then that firing um, of the, the motor firing in a sequential way to make it happen so that it's smooth and not using momentum. It is, it is amazing. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, definitely look that one up because it's hard to describe, but it's it's really great. So that was number four. What would be number five? We've gotten one-legged squat, side bridge, glute med and glute max. Um, so I mean, bridge and then and Turkish I, squat. Anything else? What do you think about think things I, like for the? Well, I think a like um, bird dog or uh, so yeah. bird dog is your enhancing the knees and you. Um, you extend the opposite arm and leg. And it's actually quite, it's, it's another exercise that's, I think, most of the time bungled, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you why. Of course, you can, you know, it's fine to kind of, you don't have to agree with everything, but at least I'll make you think about some things. <laughs> so you're on your hands and knees and you extend your arm and leg. Now, most people will lift their arm and leg. What's the difference? Well, when you're on your hands and knees and you lift, you're actually using your hamstring as a hip extensor, much more than the glute. But when you extend the glute of the leg and the arm, it's almost as if you're, you're pushing against the wall behind you instead of lifting towards the ceiling, you're using the glute max. So that's a big difference. Uh, the other kind of, I think most of the time people don't think about is the leg that doesn't extend is a great way to work on your hip stability, side hip stability in a 90 degree position. Often you'll find that that becomes the point and that's hardest that they'll start to really wobble is when you see that pelvis drop. I mean, some your abdominals, your obliques have to help, but usually you'll what you'll find is if you have someone do one side where their right leg extends, their left leg remains down, and they're wobbly, you try the other side, and they're better. You might say, "Oh, wow, the left glutes, let's say, are stronger than the right glutes because when you it's extended, not the top leg that's stronger; it's the it, bottom it's leg the is bottom weaker. Bottom leg yeah. often is yeah. weaker, and this is that. So it's a great and so so I like that, and you can. I, I find that I do like so on that vein, and you've been in my classes. Yeah. I do a lot of modified side plank. Yeah, which in a lot of ways people struggle with way more than side plank. So modified is when you have one knee down at ninety degrees, truly ninety. People try and 
yeah. sneak it back and yeah. tip into their pelvis. But to have it at 90 and to have the pelvis remain neutral is so much hip stability on that it bottom is. leg. It's and they great. are just yeah. dying and they try and kickstand the leg to yeah. increase the base of support. And in somehow in side plank, with bo- which, which, which looks like it would be harder because both knees are off the ground, yeah. they're able to do it. And they're kind of, probably what they're doing is somehow turning the pelvis a little bit and just yeah. like anchoring themselves and uh, on on joints more than, but with the knee on the floor, that the proximal stabilizer of the hip half because the lever is so short, oh, they yeah. have to fire. And people and I do a lot of modified. Yeah, time yeah. Time. I mean, I, I remember so in good. class and yeah. I had a hard time. Yeah, and so I need to do that too. I mean, yeah, you know. Um, so it's, so bird dog is like when you have both knees down, but if you were to take that to a next step, like five point five point one exercises, you could keep. Um, in bird dog also the way to set it up, like he's talking about is bring, I always say like slide your right leg back. So the toes are on the ground, the knee is straight. You're in extension already and then lift the hip up versus like swing it up. Yeah. Now that would be, that could be a good way to get your glutes too. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, and that's, I haven't thought of that way, but that would certainly engage the glutes the way that doesn't is what most people do. They'll just kind of, you'll see their knee is, is, is bent. That's the, that you have way they're using your hamstring a little bit. Um, uh, and just remember when you engage the quad, you engage the glutes. When you engage the glutes, you engage the quad. So when you extend the leg, like you're pressing it against the wall, you're, you feel the front of your thigh engage, you feel the kneecap lifting, that's your quadriceps. That makes they have a it has a mechanical linkage to the fascia lata and the lumbodorsal fascia t- from the glutes to the quads and vice versa, as well as your abdominal uh, through the abdominal fascia. So there, your body takes advantage of these uh, fas- myofascial trains, you can call it, where uh, certain muscles that work together are linked by fascia, and they help to stimulate each other and make them stronger through hydraulic amplification. So that's the way to... So fun and so fascinating. And those are five exercises I pretty much do very regularly, except Turkish get-up, I need to start implementing more in my my practice. So I hope everybody out there will take this advice and let us know what you'd like to hear more about. Thanks for having... Thanks for these yeah. those great tips. Yes, and just a little thing, uh, a little... Exercises are great if you do them right. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they, you know, so exercise is really the technique. So a lot of times, even with the variety, you do want variety, but you want to get the basics correct. And a lot of times, that can take a long time. So mm-hmm. just don't plow through exercises thinking that you did them. And so you have to be very meticulous with uh, your form and how you do them because it's easy to cheat. Yeah, it is. I think. Uh, yeah. Good, good movement really matters. Yes. All right. Thanks. And as always, pulling for all of you. Hugs from me to you.